0: Good morning. It is Friday the 8th of May. This is The Briefing, where you get up to speed every morning on the news that you need to know. Later, we'll go deep on online abuse, and Jan Fran is here with me.
1: Good morning. How are you? Yeah, 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 you know. Are you your worst self in the morning, are you? Not
0: my best self. (laughs) Not
1: your best self. Yeah, online abuse, have you copped it?
0: Not much, a little bit.
1: Yeah, I think it's something that, you know, the internet, for all the wonderful things it's given us, can also be a bit of a trash fire, and I think online abuse can be pretty rampant, especially for women.
0: And one way victims of online abuse sometimes deal with it is to post the message and the details of the abuser in a public forum as a way of pushing back.
1: But what happens if you cop an abusive message from someone in year nine? Should you necessarily post their details online? Should you identify them? Should you identify where they went to school? What if the message is particularly heinous?
0: Outing a teenager. That's what Clementine Ford, feminist writer, did this week. So we're going to ask her about that decision. That's coming up in just a moment. First, let's find out what else is going on in the world today.
1: How and when businesses can reopen. That will be the focus for our national cabinet today. Now, I must say, we were optimistic yesterday that there might be some national changes to let groups of 10 gather for Mother's Day, but the country's two biggest states are very cold on the idea.
0: I can tell you what, I'm, what I'll be doing on Mother's Day. Uh, I will not be visiting my mum, even if it was lawful for me to do that. The 11th of May is always the date that we used. We always knew that was a day after Mother's Day.
1: Even if National Cabinet does suggest easing of restrictions, which New South Wales will consider very carefully, they won't be able to be made in time for Mother's
2: Day.
0: That was Gladys Berejiklian, the New South Wales Premier, and before that, the Victorian Premier, Daniel Andrews. Queensland uh, is making a change. though Up to five people from the same house will be allowed to visit.
1: Yep, the NT, South Australia and WA uh, can already actually gather in groups of under 10. If you're planning your weekend, though, check with local authorities first.
0: Another thing our leaders will be looking at today is how our mental health is faring during the pandemic. Federal Health Minister Greg Hunt believes getting people back to work will be a huge help.
3: If that means that there are more young people or people of any age that are employed, that will help. And so all of this, all of these impacts go into the considerations of National Cabinet and the Pandemic Mental Health Plan.
0: Yeah, I think that's definitely true. It helps you in the short term just to get your routine back, but also financially, um, it allows you to start working again and feeling more secure.
1: Yeah, definitely. I mean, we complain when we work, but it's actually a really great (laughs) thing, I think, for our mental health to have that routine and stability and sense of purpose.
0: Yeah, and yesterday on the podcast, we spoke to Ian Hickey about all the mental health problems relating to the coronavirus, and it was a really fascinating and encouraging um, conversation. But the the real takeout was young people will be hit hardest in the long run um, by the economic problems coming from coronavirus. So tough times ahead. We need to ask for help when we need it and um, be prepared. And there's big news around Cardinal George Pell. Previously unseen documents from the Royal Commission into Institutional Responses to Child Sexual Abuse claim that Cardinal George Pell knew children were being abused by the clergy as far back as the early 70s.
1: Yeah, the Royal Commission documents, they had been redacted since they were released in 2017 because of his criminal trial. Now, earlier this year, his child sexual abuse convictions were overturned by the High Court, meaning... They could be made public.
0: The commission rejected his claim that he'd been deceived by other Catholic church officials, also finding that he likely played a role in moving the country's worst pedophile priest, Jared Risdale, between parishes.
1: The commission also found he took certain measures to avoid situations that would have caused gossip, stating that he was not only conscious of child sexual abuse but that he had also considered measures of avoiding situations which might provoke gossip.
0: And George Pell has released a statement saying he's surprised by some of the views about his actions and that they're not supported by evidence.
1: After days of backing and forthing, the NRL confirmed three players who've refused to get flu jabs will still be allowed to play.
0: The league has changed its biosecurity measures to let them play as long as they sign a waiver, acknowledging that they've been warned about the health risks, does say that 97% of players and staff have been immunised. So we're talking about a a 3% or less minority here.
1: Yeah, one of the most um, vocal critics, I guess, of the jab is Gold Coast uh, star Bryce Cartwright. Now, he says very adamantly he's not an anti-vaxxer, but also that he won't be bullied into getting the jab which I think he should probably have a strong word to the PM, who reckons that uh, you can either get a jab or get off the field.
2: When I was social services minister, I started the no jab, no play uh, into the childcare uh, facilities, and uh, I think the same rule applies there, no jab, no play. Yeah, um,
0: the Prime Minister's not alone. The Australian Medical Association's New South Wales boss has labelled the anti-vaxxer dance as selfish. Do you think they should be forced to get the jab?
1: I don't know, that's, that's a pretty hard one. I feel like they should decide to get the jab themselves, mm. you know? it
0: be great if there was a way to present the evidence to them even more clearly yeah. and have them decide. All right, to Madonna news from the...
1: The big news, <laughs> yeah. my favourite kind of news.
0: We should have a Madonna story every day. Um, she thought it was the flu that forced her to cancel her Paris shows nearly two months ago, but she's just found out that she actually had the coronavirus.
1: Yeah, so she dumped the events that she had planned in February and March. This was sort of before the pandemic shut down major events. And she shared the news on Instagram saying that her whole team just thought that they had the flu at the time, but that she's tested positive to the antibodies that you develop once you've caught coronavirus. So she's only sort of figured out in retrospect that it was coronavirus the whole time.
0: I think that's the best way to have the coronavirus.
1: Is to not know that you have it and yeah. get over it. Yeah, but the problem <laughs> is out
0: later. she w-
1: would have... Potentially, I don't know, it infected other people just oh, cause yeah, she, she good point. she wouldn't know that she had it, so she like was like her whole crew. Like her whole crew, exactly. <laughs> I, I wonder who she, gave it to who. <laughs> you know what? I just I think she should just self-isolate in her massive mansion. In her bath. Her, bath in her bath, continue giving her slip sinks on a hairbrush.
0: You're listening to the briefing and we're going deep now on online abuse. If someone was writing horrifically abusive messages to you, Would you out them publicly, like post the message with their name? What if they were like 14 years old?
3: But he finished by saying, you should put a gun in your mouth. I'm not going to tolerate that language being used against me. And unlike almost all of the girls who, and women who follow me, I don't have to tolerate it. And I can set an example.
1: That was Clementine Ford. She is a feminist writer and commentator. uh, And she receives abusive messages from strangers all the time. Uh, We wanted to share this particular episode uh, with you because it raises questions around whether or not you should publicly shame uh, someone who's underage or a child, effectively. So to give you the quick backstory here, um, a few days ago, Clementine received an abusive message from a stranger, never had any contact with this person prior, uh, and she posted this message online along with his name and details of his school and his swim club. It was a photo, right? It was a photo, yep, of of the boy. And and the thing is, he was a boy. He was a 13, maybe 14-year-old child. Year 9.
0: So we don't know his exact age, but year 9 is usually about 14.
1: So the question is... Was that the right thing to do and what are some of the ethics around um, publicly naming and shaming children for bad behaviour? Clementine Ford joins us now. Clem, thanks so much for um, being with us. What did the message say exactly? Well, it, firstly, I should say that
3: it came randomly out of the blue. I've never had any interaction with this person before in my life, which is true for most of them. Uh, but he began by saying, just shut the f*** up, Clementine. Holy sh! F- you need to calm the f- down. Women have rights. There's no need to f- put it out there all the time. Then he talked about some other things that was very difficult to decipher. Uh he said maybe the world would be would be a better place if you stopped being such an insecure bitch. Um and then he sent a second message that said, also put a gun in your mouth.
0: Oh God. So and I
3: probably I probably would have ignored the first lot because it's that's just sort of half of the course in a normal day. But it was the put a gun in your mouth that really Made me feel pretty sick.
1: What do you think drove him to write that? I mean, what's going on
3: in the head of anyone who would say that to somebody? I suspect that he, you know, to an extent, like I do understand the argument, well, this is just internet, this is just how kids talk. Okay, that's really disturbing though. We should be very concerned about the fact that anyone, let alone teenagers, feel like it's appropriate to go and say to someone you should put a gun in your mouth because those words have become so meaningless to them and they feel like they are potentially a part of a pack online. I mean, I think that one of the problems with, um, particularly with men and young men in particular who say these things to women online is that they, they're they often rallying behind central figures that they've come across online either in the YouTube space or on Instagram or wherever it might be, and they feel completely emboldened in this sense of, well, we are part of a group of men who are resisting all of the things about the world that are trying to take our rights away. Feminism, leftism, veganism for some weird reason. And it's very alluring and intoxicating to be part of the pack and to feel like you are on the right side of what those ideas are.
0: Clementine, you've been pushing back on these abusive people for years and one of the tools you use is reposting their messages in public, um, sometimes with their names and photos. In this case, you found out the boy was in year nine and his mother got in touch with you to tell you that message. Um, Here's you responding to that in your Insta story about this on Wednesday.
3: It's not my responsibility to pull your boys into line. It's your responsibility. So don't contact me after I do publicly out one of them for being a nasty little misogynist and say, oh, well, he didn't know any better. Please take the photograph down. He should have f- known better. He's not a child.
0: So eventually, she did convince you to take that photograph down. What did she say to you that that made you change your position?
3: I should just clarify that his mother didn't reach out to me. I messaged her first. Right. And said, mm-hmm. I, I'm not sure if you're aware that um, your son is saying these things to people online, but you should. I felt like it was a message coming from a place of love and concern. Um. Ultimately, what convinced me to take the picture of his face down, I didn't take the photograph of the the comment itself down, was that she just said to me, appealing to you as a mother. And I thought, well, the photo's been up there for a while. I've made a point in regards to that. Um, The bigger issue now is the content of the message and what men and young men, as I said in particular, feel entitled and able to say to women online. Yeah. Um, because I know that I have a lot of power to be able to push back and I've been doing it for years, so it should really come as no surprise to people that this is the outcome. But the people who don't have any power are the teenage girls who these kids are going to school with, the ones who are being sent messages every day telling them to kill themselves, telling you know, calling them dykes and faggots, and I've seen messages. So this is the really scary thing. It's not so much whether or not some 14-year-old is telling me to put a gun in my mouth. On, at what that represents, it's that no matter what people say about, well, we care about boys, and men would never stand by, while well, people treated people like this, you know, most men are decent, et cetera, et cetera. I actually see from the evidence that most people are very willing to let men and their sons in particular get away with harassing and abusing the girls around them to the detriment of those girls and their mental health. Everyone always talks about, well, what about his future? You know, why you, you've got this huge platform and what about his mental health and he's just a child? What about the mental health of all the girls who are being subjected to this abuse day in and day out and are being met with no structural support from the boys' families, from their communities? They go to the schools and they report it and the schools do nothing. Who's fighting for them?
1: Was there a moment where you thought, oh, he's too young, I probably shouldn't post his a picture or identifying details about his school and whatnot? No. He's 14. Three to four
3: years' time, he'll be an adult in the eyes
1: of the law.
0: Yeah, and in the eyes of the law, he would be treated somewhat differently because, you know, the law considers sort of how developed someone is and how mature he is. Um,
3: Listen, listen, this is the thing is that it's easy to focus now on his age and this has been something that um, people who disagreed with that choice have said, well, he's a child, you shouldn't have done this because he's a child. If he were a man, there would have been another set of excuses as to what, why I shouldn't have done this. He's got a family or he's depressed. You know, how do you know what his motivation was? Why are you doing this? There are always excuses made to try and find some reason why it's not okay for women to push back, for women to not fight back and say, we're not going to tolerate this anymore. He's 14. He's not an adult, but he's not a child.
0: Obviously, you know, your heart and your concern is with the... Thousands or even millions of women that cop online abuse, and the fact that no one stands up to them, and therefore the behaviour of these aggressors doesn't change. But are there are there any circumstances where you would think twice about outing one of these aggressors? You know, like for example, if they they did have a serious mental health problem or, or were a suicide risk, or were even younger than than this boy. Um, is there a process you go through where you question whether you Out someone or not?
3: Uh, I don't know if it's conscious, but um, I suppose there there might be some things that would give me pause. I am receiving lots of messages every day from young boys who are asking me for nude photographs, who are asking, you know, who are offering to send me photographs of themselves, etc. And I wouldn't share their faces or their names because I think that that places them at the risk of online Mm. predators. Look, the other thing that I think people need to remember is that. The vast, vast majority of messages I receive go straight into the bin with a block button. Yeah. But people see a woman do this to to one person and they think, well, she just can't handle online abuse or she's trying to make a, a point out of someone. She's trying to prove a point. And it's just one message. But it's never just one message actually. This is just the one message that you're seeing.
1: Well, I hope that there is, um, you know, a, a year nine boy somewhere thinking long and hard about a message that they may or may not be about well, to I'd send t- to someone.
3: I tell you what would be very helpful for women like me and for women, again, who don't even have that platform is if more people took the initiative to have these conversations with their kids. But if more men, if more men actually lived up to what we hear all the time, which is that men never stand by and always intervene. I just don't think that that's true. If more men actually took on the burden of doing this education and calling this out, then it would make it a lot less trying for women.
0: So that was Clementine Ford. Let's dig into some of the legal questions around this, whether any of that behaviour on either side was actually against the law. Justin Quill is a lawyer from m and Lawyers. Could that year nine kid who wrote that abusive message to Clementine Ford be charged?
2: Look, uh, I think it, the first the first message not so much, even though there was a lot of abuse and it was pretty pretty vile and pretty disgusting. Um, the second one suggesting uh, that she could put her um, the gun in her mouth uh, that's getting a little bit closer. Look, I'm not sure he quite crossed the line of breaking the law. Um, he didn't threaten her, so uh, didn't say I'm going to come over and put a gun in your mouth. So I think the answer to that is probably. Probably not quite crossing the line.
1: Are there any legal questions about her posting his picture and his name and other identifying details?
2: Yeah, so, so the reasoning for that difference in legislation is really because we, we the law accepts that a child is, just, um, is not fully developed, is not mature enough, and so we shouldn't really make that child live with, for the rest of their life, um, the stigma, if you like, of what they did when they were, you know, immature. We've all done silly and stupid things when we were kids and we wouldn't want, as adults, to be judged by that conduct. But I don't think calling out a child who's um, had a go what you online is it's not it's not illegal you can't it's not like you are not allowed to call that child out and identify them in those circumstances uh, but you might uh, think it's not uh, it's not the right thing to do because the child is just not fully developed.
1: Outside of the legal system how do we sort of stop this kind of online abuse from happening?
2: Oh, look, I mean, that's a really tough question. If I knew the answer to it, uh, I would probably be a billionaire, I suspect. <laughs> Mark Zuckerberg um, would
0: be on the phone. You'd be recruited to Facebook. You'd be sorting hey, it out.
2: Obviously, though, it could start with those those entities like Facebook and Twitter requiring more details for people when they sign up and then handing over those details or maybe just uh, working harder to, uh, to knock people off their sites when they start doing that sort of thing. Look, the short answer is no one's got an answer to that.
0: Yeah, well, you haven't solved the problem of online abuse, Justin, but you have yeah. given us some really interesting legal <laughs> insights on the drama that's unfolded um, for Clementine Ford this week. Thanks so much for joining us on the briefing. Great. Thanks, guys. So that was Justin Quill, who's a lawyer, clearly pointing out there's no easy solution here.
1: Yeah, I think it's certainly got to be a multi-pronged approach. I think, you know, um, one individual calling out people online is is not going to tackle this problem so fraught, at all. So yeah. fraught, It's so fraught. I think it's got to come down to the communities, it's got to come down to schools, it's got to come down to parents um, and it's got to come down to...
0: A cultural change amongst young men. Well,
1: also come down to what it is that they're consuming and how that then shapes their view of the world and I think tech companies have a lot to answer for in this space, particularly uh, YouTube.
0: All right, that is it for today. Um, A very deep topic with lots of questions and um, lots of heartache and anxiety as well. Um, Hopefully we can improve this online culture somehow. Thank you, Jan. Pleasure. On Monday's podcast, have you called your grandparents lately? We're going to take a look at what's been going wrong in our nursing homes in uh, the time of COVID-19. What should we be doing differently there to keep our our loved ones safer? That is it for the briefing this week. Thank you so much for listening. Um, Please make sure you subscribe on the Podcast One Australia app or on whatever app you normally get your podcasts. Tell your friends about it as well and follow us on Instagram at The Briefing Podcast. Hope you have an amazing weekend. A
1: Podcast One Production.